Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Property Magic Podcast, in which I'm going to share with you details of what I believe is the best strategy to quickly replace your income. This is exactly what I would focus on if I was starting again from scratch. So the strategy is HMOs, Houses of Multiple Occupation. Now, this is where you rent out individual rooms in a property And the collective rental income is far more than you would get with a single let property. Now, I touched on this in episode number two of the Property Magic podcast. But let me give you some numbers around why this can be so powerful for you. So let's say you have a property worth about £200,000, which is the average value in the UK right now. And if this is a six bed HMO, you should be making at least £1,000 profit every month. Now, when I say profit, I mean the rental income, less the mortgage, less all the bills, less management, less everything. £1,000 profit a month. That's £12,000 profit a year. And that's why you don't need many of these good HMOs to completely replace your income. Now, over 10 years, that £200,000 property could double in value. It could go up to £400,000. Now, there's no guarantee that can happen. It doesn't happen every 10 years. But if you look back over the last 60 or so years from the land registry records, you'll see that pretty much every eight to nine years, property prices double. So just for this example, let's assume that a £200,000 property now could double in value to £400,000. If that happens, that's a capital gain of £200,000, from two hundred dollars up to 400000 Plus, if you add in the income over 10 years, which is £12,000 a year, which is 120000 over 10 years, if you add those two together, the capital growth of 200000 plus £120,000 of rental income profit, that gives you a total profit of £320,000 over a 10 year period. That's equivalent to £32,000 a year of profit from each HMO. £32,000 a year. That's why I believe it's really important for you to understand this strategy and if it's right for you to really crack on and do it. One of my biggest regrets was when I first started investing in property, I was just dabbling. I was doing it as a hobby and I did quite well. I made lots of mistakes, but I didn't realize just how powerful it is. But you spending time and effort building your property portfolio is going to be the one thing that you're rewarded for better than anything else in your entire life. So if it's that good, well, why is not everybody doing HMOs? Well, I think most people either don't know about HMOs. In reality, most landlords just have single let properties or they get put off because they don't really understand them And so they don't know what they're missing out on. So in this podcast, I really want to clear up the confusion so you can decide if HMOs are suitable for you or not. So first of all, I'm going to bust the five most common myths about HMOs. So here it is. Myth number one, there's an oversupply of HMOs everywhere. And so you shouldn't do 
HMOs. Now, whilst I agree there is an oversupply in most areas, actually it's an oversupply of very average stock. You see, a lot of people are starting to learn about HMOs and after ten last 10 years have, have thought, oh, that's a good idea. And because they don't really educate themselves properly, they just turn it into a multi-let and they don't really know how to make it quite special and different from everything else on the market. And so in many areas, there is too much property and that means it takes a while for people to fill all their rooms. However, I maintain if you have rooms of higher quality than the average, you should always be able to rent them out. So let me give you a great resource you can use to do some research about HMOs in your area. It's called spareroom.co.uk. So www.spareroom.co.uk is a great website you can go on and you can see other landlords in your area. You can look at pictures to see the standard of property they're renting out. And you can also see what price rooms are being offered at. And there's even a part where you can look at the average rents for the last three months, the average, the medium, uh, so the maximum and also the minimum. So there's a huge amount of research you can do online just to check, is there a good strong demand in this area and do people want these properties? And as I said, if you have better than average accommodation that's got you know nice decoration and utilities such as USB ports in the plugs and things that make it convenient for people to live there, you should always be able to rent your rooms faster than the average landlord who has magnolia walls and not very well matching furniture because that's what you're competing against generally. In some student areas, there is an oversupply of student HMOs because they've built these purpose-built blocks. Now, a couple of things you need to understand here that yes, these purpose-built blocks are popular, but they're also very, very expensive. And you get a lot of students who having lived there for a year or so, decide they don't want to live there anymore because it's very institutional. It's a bit like living in university accommodation. They can't really have parties. And that's why they want to move into traditional student HMOs that gives them a lot more freedom. So in a student area, there might be an oversupply, but it's the houses that are generally too far away from the university or the ones that are not such condition. They're the ones that struggle to rent. If you have a great location and a good quality property, you should always be able to rent it out. And as with all property, the location of your HMO is very, very important. Now, myth number two, people say HMOs are a lot more work than single let properties. And yes, I agree. One HMO property is probably more time and effort required than one single let property. But I don't think that's a fair comparison because you need to look at the income you can get from a single let property and the income you can get from a good HMO. A good HMO should make you about a thousand pound profit every single month. That's for a six bedroom HMO. Whereas a single let might make you 100, 200, or maybe 300 if you're lucky. So really you should compare one HMO with maybe four or five single lets. And then I would say actually that one HMO takes a less time and effort than four or five eight single lets because they're probably going to be spread out. Whereas the one HMO is in one location, you can deal with all five or six tenants in one go. So there's economies of scale there. So I think as long as you know what you're doing, an HMO is not necessarily more work than a single let, single let properties, but it gives you a lot more income. Myth number three, people think every HMO needs an HMO license. Well, the definition of an HMO is three or more 
unrelated people living in that property. So if you have a, a family of four or five, that's not an HMO because they're all related. But four or five people living in a house who are not related, that would definitely be an HMO. Now, when it comes to licensing, you need to understand the national guidelines, but understand that local councils also interpret them in different ways. So in October 2018, the government changed the HMO licensing requirements. They said any house that has five or more unrelated people needed to have a license. However, some councils have interpreted differently. And if you have a house with three or more unrelated tenants in some areas, that with some councils might need a license. So the key here is for you to contact the local council HMO licensing department, speak to them, and often they have an online guide you can download and find out exactly how they interpret the calculations. Now, remember, for most people, it's five or more, but it can be three or more. And to get an HMO license, if you need to have one, basically you fill in a load of forms, which includes information about how you're going to manage the property. It includes a floor plan to show where the fire doors are and the smoke alarms and the heat detectors. And it's very important to make sure your property adheres to all the safety requirements. In fact, I believe whether it needs licensing or not, you have a moral and ethical responsibility to make sure that you're providing safe accommodation for your tenants. And God forbid anything goes wrong in the property and someone should die. You know, you could be liable. You could face a prison sentence if it shows you've not had all the safety requirements in place. So please, please take safety very seriously for your tenants. You also need to uh, send in a check. Now, normally licenses last for five years. You get a license and you can either be the license holder as the owner of the property, or you could be the license holder as a manager of the property if you're doing a rent to rent or purchase lease option. So it's important to make sure if you need a license for your property or not. And if you're investing in different areas, different councils, different boroughs in London, make sure you check with each individual council where you're investing, because as I said, different councils can have different interpretations. Don't be scared about licensing. It's there to make sure that good quality accommodation is provided. And in fact, I'd encourage you to get to know your local HMO licensing officer because we want to be friends with them. You know, we are good landlords we want to provide good accommodation we're not the people they're trying to chase they're trying to prosecute they're trying to get the people who don't understand about licensing or or know about it but don't bother to put licenses in place so it's really good to get to know your local hmo licensing officer the next myth is that all hmos need planning permission now a lot of people get confused between licensing and planning and they are totally separate they're totally separate matters. They're dealt with totally separate departments in the local council. I'm going to try and simplify this for you because planning is actually quite a complicated topic, but I'm going to make it as simple as I possibly can and then hope you'll see the differences between licensing and planning. So myth number four, all HMOs need planning permission. That's not actually correct. If you have a larger HMO, and by larger, I mean maybe seven or more tenants, you would need to apply for planning permission to get a change of use. You see, a large HMO with seven more people is no longer seen as a residential property. In fact, the class is called sui generis. 
It's a planning class all of its own. That's what it means on its own, basically. It's no longer seen as a residential property. So a large property with seven or more is sui generis. If you have an HMO like that, it's seen as commercial. And so you get commercial finance on that. So it's something else to be aware of. Now, in most areas, if you have a smaller HMO, so remember, seven or more, you need to apply for sui generis, change of use. But for six or less, in most areas, you can take what is a normal house, three-bedroom house, and you can convert it into an HMO for up to six people without planning permission because it has what's called permitted development rights. That's where you can take a house and convert it into an HMO for up to six people. However, it's very important to understand this, that in many areas, the local councils have introduced something called Article 4 Direction. So what is that? Well, in areas where the council feels there are too many HMOs, they want to restrict the number of HMOs. They don't want to have more HMOs. So they've introduced this Article 4 Direction. And what that means is they've taken away the permitted development rights. So therefore, if you want to take a normal house in an Article 4 area, and turn it into an HMO for up to six people, you would need to apply for planning permission. Now, because the council don't want any more HMOs, they will usually automatically reject the planning permission application. However, that doesn't mean you can't get planning if it meets the criteria. And that's usually there's no other houses within a certain distance, no other HMOs that is. Then if it meets the criteria, you might well win on appeal. But what you don't want to do is buy a house thinking you can turn it into an HMO, then discover it's an Article 4 area and realize that you probably won't get an H you probably won't get planning permission for it. So I would suggest what you want to do is contact the local council. This time it's the planning department to understand is Article 4 in place in the area in which you want to do your HMOs. If it is in place, you want to understand when did it come into, into force? If it isn't in place yet, ask them, are there plans for it to come in? And if so, when is that going to happen? What happens very often is when investors know Article 4 is coming into an area, a lot of investors pile into the area and get HMO set up before it comes in because they know once it comes in, this is going to be very difficult to then set up an HMO. So there's not going to be any more competition at that point. So what do you do if you are in an Article 4 area? Does that mean that you can't do HMOs? Well, no, not at all. In fact, there are two things you can do. As I said, check the planning requirements. If the property you've got meets the requirements, even though the application for planning might be rejected initially, you can always appeal. And if it meets the criteria, you might still get planning permission, as many of my students have done. The other thing you can do is if you look for property that is already used as an HMO and was used as an HMO before Article 4 came in that area and has been consistently used as an HMO, you can actually apply for what's called a Certificate of Lawfulness. And what that means is that you can prove it was used as an HMO and has been continuously done so before Article 4 came in, which means it automatically gets planning permission. So if you're looking to buy property in an Article 4 area, look for landlords who are looking to retire or maybe they're tired 
and buying their properties can get over the Article 4 problem. The other thing you need to do is if you look at the boundary where the Article 4 comes in place, very often on the boundary, you might find a street that has got HMOs in it and one end of the street is in the Article 4 area, the other end of the street is not in the Article 4 area. So that street works really well for HMOs, but because you're buying one just outside of the Article 4 boundary, it means you are not affected by Article 4 direction. So getting to know your area is really important. Contacting the local council, so there's an action for you to do to understand in your area, is there Article 4 direction or not? And then finally, the fifth myth about HMOs is you need to have a lot of money to do HMOs. And it's kind of a half truth, really, because, yes, if you want to buy an HMO and or even a normal property and convert it into an HMO, you've got to put your deposit in, there are conversion costs, etc. And that can add up. And if you've only got a limited amount of money, it might limit the number of HMOs you can do. However, one of the things I want to really get across to you in this Property Magic podcast, it's going to be a theme we're going to look at in the future, is don't always limit yourself by the amount of money you have access to. You see, if you find really good deals, you can get other people to come in and either lend you money or do a joint venture with you where you're sharing some of the cash flow and some of the equity growth and you find the deal and maybe they put the money in. So you can work with other people to do HMOs. And because HMOs give such a high cash flow and such a high return on investment, there's enough for you to give a good return to someone else and still make a healthy profit yourself. But remember, you don't actually have to buy your HMO. You can pick them up on a rent to rent agreement. You can pick them up on a purchase lease optional PLO agreement. This means that you don't have to put in a big deposit. You don't even have to get a mortgage yourself. And again, these are strategies we're going to talk about in future podcasts to show you exactly how you can do HMOs and other property investing strategies on properties you don't actually own. So if I was new to investing and if I was um, going to be starting right now, people often ask me the question, what would I do? I would absolutely educate myself all about HMOs because it's the fastest way to replace your income. If I had my own money, I'd do I'd use that. But if I didn't, I'd look at rent to rent or even better purchase lease options because purchase lease option is, is like rent to rent. You pay a guaranteed rent to the landlord each month. You make cash flow each month. But the purchase lease option, you also get the right to buy a property at some time in the future, but based on the price you fix today, which means not only do you get cash flow, you also get potential capital growth. So if you want to learn more about how to run profitable HMOs, we have lots of free training videos and I put details of how to access those into the show notes. So go and watch those videos, educate yourself. And I really encourage you to look into HMOs. I believe it's one of the best strategies to quickly replace your income. And as I said, it's absolutely what I would do right now if I was starting from afresh. So in the next episode, what I want to do is I want to uh, share with you how you can build your local power team. These are the people who can help you build your property portfolio. I'm going to share with you who should be in your team. And also, I'm going to share with you how do you actually find the best people to help you as part of your power team. So until next time, remember to always 
Invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property training for free. All of the details are in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.